Alright. Good morning, everyone. It's 6.30 in the morning. Now I have to get ready for class. We're supposed to be have been gone by now already. Here we go. Jacob, you got socks on? No. Alright, baby. Well, I love you. I love you, too. I'll let you know when we're getting close. Alright, I'm going to stop off at the American Legion then and have a uh, beer since you guys won't be home. It's me, Ma. Hi, Monty! <laughs> <laughs> But it is really empty feeling. I used to have things on the walls when I lived here. So it's a little weird coming back and having an empty room. Hmm. And I'll blow your house down, (laughs) said the pig. Good night, son. I love you. I love you, too. Will you go to college when you're done with high school? I don't know. I was mainly just thinking of doing something like animating so I can make my own video games and movies. Do you think it's okay that mom went to college even though she's old? I think it's okay. You're trying you're trying to get a better job so you can help your family more. This episode of the Finding Your Place podcast is not really about college. It's about the intersection of our home lives and our college lives. For some students, there's an easy relationship between home and college, but for many students, going to college creates challenges at home. Sometimes those challenges relate to time and money. Usually there's not enough of either, and sometimes those challenges are cultural. College changes us, and those at home don't always support or understand those changes. Unlike nearly every episode in this podcast, this episode is going to focus on the story of a faculty member. That faculty member is Dave Engen, who along with Robert Jerzak, works behind the scenes to help us create this podcast. We hope Dave's story might help you reflect on your own college story, especially if for some reason the college experience pulls you away from home or challenges your family identity. My most vivid memories of school are as follows. Being sent home from elementary school for repeatedly and defiantly saying the F word. My high school Spanish teacher informing me that she would pass me for first trimester if I agreed to not take the class second trimester. And lastly, loving the heavy metal band ACDC so much that I would take my multiple choice tests by simply filling out ACDC, ACDC. ACDC, all the way down the answer sheet. School was like sitting and listening for hours and hours to someone speaking a language I did not know. I hated it. So one quick announcement before we get started. The midterm exam is one week from today. The midterm exam is in this room. Uh, We'll all convene here at the time of your lecture. The study guides for the midterm exam. I grew up in a blue-collar suburb of Minneapolis, Fridley, also known as Friendly Fridley. 
My dad was a truck driver, and my mom was a homemaker. My dad dropped out of school in the 8th grade, and my mom dropped out in the 12th. I believe it was 1993 when my father and I had our first conversation about what I was studying in college. We were playing pool in our basement. I was working on my Ph.D., and I'd been in college for seven years or so. As I recall, the conversation took place between shots and went like this. Dad. So what are you majoring in anyway? Me. Uh, Communication. Dad. Chalking his stick. Hmm. Seems to me like you communicate just fine. All right, so we're just going to have some fun here, but I need to know who who I'm talking to. Can you introduce yourself uh, to me? Introduce myself to you. I'm your mother. <laughs> How does that work? Kind of thought that's who you were. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, I'm going to ask you a few questions about, about education and about college and things like that. First couple of years, you really liked school. But then by about third grade, you didn't like it anymore. And... Uh, no, I mean, I'd say, Dave, did you do your homework? Yeah. Well, of course, I'd get a call or a note from the teacher that, uh, no, you didn't have your homework done, you know? Yeah, I, I think I should have clamped down harder on you. Yeah. But I didn't. So. I do think that, that Tom McCarthy at Anoka Ramsey and your speech classes, I think, I really think that that's, that's when you came alive and interested in learning was when you were doing your speech classes at Anoka Ramsey. I'm on my way to Anoka Ramsey Community College. And, uh, haven't been back for probably 20 plus years. I'm about to go into the left turn lane that I used to go in all the time on my way to school. Tom McCarthy. How are you, sir? Good. <laughs> good, good. How are you? Good to see you. You too, you too. It's been fun wandering around. I once heard someone define professors as books with a mouth. Tom McCarthy was no book with a mouth. <laughs> and, uh, so how many of you got more nervous when I, when I pushed the table back in the lectern and you realized you couldn't use it? I feel very jazzed up when I am teaching, and so, and I want them to think... Uh, that I care about that, that I care about them and what I'm doing. I care about what we're doing and, and why we're there. Tom was the first person I met who was both book smart and street smart, intellectual and funny. And he let us get to know him as a human being. I grew up with six older brothers, right, who beat the crap out of me every day. and Not that I didn't deserve it, but I learned the best way to get away from them is to go through the kitchen. Testing, 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 testing. On my way out of Tom's office, I decided to stop by the classroom where I took his public speaking course some 25 years ago. I'm standing in that room right now, and I can see Tom teaching our class. I can hear him joking with us. I can see him taking his shoe on and off as he gives me feedback on my speech in a gentle, mocking gesture of my own nervous tics. And I can see myself in that room, in a green ocean Pacific shirt and some acid wash jeans, looking up at Tom and thinking, you know what, I want to be like that guy. And I'm so thankful 
that he brought himself into that classroom, that he brought his persona into that classroom, that he brought his humor into that classroom. Because had he not done those things, I don't think that I would have continued in education the way that I did. And I don't think I would have been able to live as full of a life as I've been able to live, albeit a life full of tensions and contradictions. You remember what you told me about small talk? I really don't, but it sounds familiar. Do you remember? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do, I do remember. What did I tell you? Well, you told me that I was getting, uh, this was a pretty much... That you were getting, that you were getting to think you were too important for small talk, something like that? Yeah, I think what you said is that I was getting too smart to make small talk. Yeah, I think that is what I said. Well, what did, but in general, what was, what did it seem like I was doing? I mean... I don't know, I suppose you were talking about school and stuff that was kind of above our heads. I think, you were, I think you were showing off that you were getting an education. My mother was right. I wasn't getting too smart for small talk or anything else, but there was a time when I found it difficult to bridge my two worlds, the working-class world in which I grew up and the professional middle-class world into which I unknowingly entered. The world where my parents' neighbor Paul calls my Sam Adams Democrat beer and the world where my first boss had dogs named Plato and Aristotle. I'd be lying if I said I had it all figured out. Often I feel like an imposter in both worlds. But I did learn a few things along the way. Lesson 1. It was as important for me to understand my parents as it was for them to understand me. Lesson 2. I got lucky. Before meeting Tom McCarthy, I was turning college into a job. And it's easy to do this, especially for working-class kids. Get the content delivered to you, do the assignments, get the grades. This may be okay for some, but it limits the possibility of transformation. Tom inspired me. He also got me on the speech team. Had my education taken place only through course content, I don't think I would have been so fundamentally changed by it. And lesson three. It's good to have a foot in both worlds. Tough at times, sure, but good. I'm kind of a mess if you want to know the truth. I feel out of place in college faculty meetings, and I feel out of place at the American Legion. But I'm okay in both worlds, too, and for that, I'm thankful. I used to think my possibilities were limited by my upbringing, and in some ways I suppose they were. But my possibilities were expanded, too. My dual identity, if you will, lets me see things that others miss, and I value that. And my kids... Well, my hope for them is that they become anything they want to become without ever looking too far up and never looking down. Sure, Dave's story is particular to him, a white male first-generation college student from a working-class background. But we hope Dave's story might help you reflect on the ways that college has changed your experience of going home and maybe help you reflect on how you might deal with those changes. We also want to encourage you to go to the Finding Your Place podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes and look for what we call our supplementary episodes. 
These additional episodes are a bit more focused on cultural experiences. And in these episodes, students explore such topics as being a Muslim woman in college, returning to college from military service, navigating a degree as a single mom. That's just to name a few. That's it for this episode. Please tune in to our next episode in the main Finding Your Place series, where we'll explore ways to make college more meaningful by getting involved outside the classroom. Stay tuned.